it's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin. That's you. And it's week 10. <laughs> We're here to break it all down. It's, it is week 10. It's double digits. You know, I, I feel like we're watching our kid grow up. You know, the, these guys, they've been sitting in camp for 10 weeks now. And, I mean, oh man, we've talked about so many of them. And now we're here. Week 10. We're coming up on four months. Yeah. I mean, it's been four months of name dropping and preparation and getting ready and watching the the life cycle of these players, these campers. And honestly, I mean, it's just really fun to see that some of the guys that we talked about very early in this process are starting to maybe even make a bit of a name for themselves in the national conversation. Yeah, you're starting to see now as the NFL season hits about its midpoint and they're running out of content because it's been a lot of rinse repeat. And then the college football season is starting to hit the end of their season you're starting to see that draft content start to hit your your Twitter feeds, your Facebook page, your even TikTok. It's it's all over the place right now where you're starting to see people break down prospects, you're starting to see, you know, mock drafts and stuff come out and so, you know, you've been sticking with us through it all and now we're in in week 10. Well, and that's a nice little segue because it's going to be a little bit of a different look at Camp Dynasty this week. We, we've been referencing this Phase 2, Phase 3 stuff. Essentially, it just means that during the college football season, it's going to look a certain way. And for the rest of this season, it's going to look a little bit different because there's a lot of things going on, a lot of buzz going on, like you said, Colin. And with that buzz comes gaps where sometimes we just need to talk about some different things that are going on out there in the world, like Jackson Smith and Jigba's fall from grace and all of these other BS things that are going to start going around for months and months and months. So getting a little bit ahead of that while also staying true to our, uh, our breakdowns of these players right now. Yeah, we. I, I feel like the way we have been doing it through nine weeks has been nice to introduce ourselves to a lot of different prospects and just kind of familiarize ourselves with who these guys are. But now as we move on to this, this end of the season and the draft cycle, we can start to kind of get more into uh, storylines, I guess is one way to put it, but get away from just the the every day we come in we share their stat line and we tell you why we think they're good at football we get our uh we we got the people sewing the badges in the back we're giving their hands (laughs) a little bit of a rest here we're not going to be going so heavy on the badges and you'll find out what that means in just a second because we're we got some badges to hand out but we're not handing out as many and we're not handing out a camper of the week either so it's going to look a little bit different, and what that means is that we are starting with the week at camp. What was going on around Camp Dynasty this week? What was the big stories? What what was catching our eye? Who were the campers that were showing up? What was the what was the drama that was going on here? Uh, and if, where we're going to start is the only place we can start in a Week Ten breakdown, and that is the game that was supposed to be. The game of the season. Tennessee already has played in one of these, and they couldn't quite get enough juice to play in another one because Tennessee, Georgia, from a football game perspective, from a pure game college football standpoint, was a major, major letdown. But within that is there are some lessons about players that we've been talking about all season. Yeah, we were hoping to see kind of this high-powered offense meet up against this buzzsaw defense, and I, I think I mentioned an immovable object meets a uh, unstoppable force, and it seems like the immovable object wins on this time. This time, it seemed like it, it wasn't much. It seems like that happens more often than not. The immovable object, man, is is a tough thing. These defenses these killer defenses this just reminds me of the the super bowl where cam newton's panthers went up against von miller's broncos and it was supposed to be like 
can this Denver defense contain Cam Newton? And then it was like, yeah, they can. They're really good. And uh, that's what we saw in this game was an elite defense with some elite players, elite prospects, just flying all over the field, making Hendon Hooker's life miserable. These receivers were having a tough time getting open and making plays downfield like we've been seeing. So uh, let's start with Hendon Hooker because obviously really big name and a big name in dynasty just because he is a quarterback that gives you a little bit of that dual threat ability. And he's not a guy that at least what I would imagine is, is somebody that you're spending super premium capital on. This is more of a, the kind of guy that I'd be looking to grab in like the third round potentially depending on your league. But I mean, it was a really, really rough week for Hendon Hooker. That's why you are taking him in the third round. And it's not one of these buzzy high upside names where you're looking at maybe a, a Bryce Young. You're looking at CJ Stroud and I'm sure we'll get to him later. And you look at uh, maybe Anthony Richardson, but with with Hooker, it it was rough here. I mean, 195 yards and a pick, no touchdowns. His first game of the season with no tu- with no touchdowns through the air. Um, I mean, he only had 17 yards on the ground on 18 carries. I mean, this this Georgia defense completely bottled him up. I mean, the scheme that Tennessee runs that was having people wide open was just not there at all. You saw that on the interception where you got, I, I can't remember what receiver it was streaking down the right sideline. I'm pretty sure it was Tillman. And uh, I mean, the, the DB just ran the route with him and, and intercepted the pass. It was like it, he was damn near playing wide receiver. So then you start to think, is it just the scheme? Is hooker just throwing the spots? Is hooker just, you know, doing what the OC says. And so, I mean, the questions start to come up now. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, it's a, it, they're playing man to man. I mean, Keely Ringo is going to be a top 10, top 12 NFL draft pick. I mean, he's an elite cornerback prospect. And he's matching up with Cedric Tillman. He's played man to man coverage. They were doing that a lot, especially later in the game when they were just, everybody's playing man-to-man and we're going to send everybody at Hendon Hooker. And how many sacks did they have in a row on like the last drive there where it was just like they just, he just could not figure it out. And I think that's one of the issues. And you see a lot of the things popping up with Hooker that have sort of come up within our conversations where it's like these are sort of limiting factors for him where it looks really, really good when it's working, but when it's not quite, you know, when when he's out of out of the system, out of his rhythm, like it doesn't quite look as pretty as you want it to. And even the things that he does super well, like dropping balls in the bucket 50 yards down the field, he wasn't able to do that in this game because it just wasn't quite syncing up. And he missed a lot of passes down the field. He had guys open uh, and he just missed them. So really shaky performance obviously it's you know it's the Georgia defense everybody is going to struggle against that but I think the main takeaway for me at least was that the weaknesses that I see in Hooker were you know exaggerated in this game and that was enough to make me say okay yep there's he's clearly behind a group of these guys in this class and we framed it earlier we framed it last week as like can Hendon Hooker prove that he's like a real guy here? Can he throw, make some like real tight window throws, make throws against man, tight man coverage, I guess, in general? And it, it you just didn't see it very much. And he was pressured on 38% of his dropbacks. He was sacked six times. I mean, they were sending the house pretty often. They were blitzing DBs. I mean, Javon Bullard had two sacks out of the secondary. So it, it was just at all three levels, the Georgia defense was getting after hooker and making his life hard, but it didn't seem like hooker was ready to respond to that kind of adversity. What about the receivers? Anything catch your eye with Tillman and Hyatt, the new darling of the class. So Tillman really impressed me. He, he looked great in this game. Uh, I know he hasn't played much this season due to injury, but it seemed like he was open, and when he wasn't, he was making those contested catches, super strong hands. Hyatt, I mean, 
it wasn't <laughs> five catches for 163 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he looked fine. I mean, uh, nothing I wouldn't say special, but uh, somebody that can succeed at the next level. Uh, he has game-breaking speed if he can get behind the defense, and uh, he can get open every once in a while, but I think three of his catches came against soft zone, three of his six. So, I mean, it, it was kind of hit or miss here. That's yeah, that's the thing. And I mean, we we we're talking last week about Hyatt where it's kind of this conversation like, is he a first round NFL draft talent? And if he is that, you know, creates a conversation where he is now potentially a first round dynasty pick that we didn't anticipate at all going into the year. But games like this, Tillman looks like the better player. I mean, he just looks like the better player. And I, I know that the numbers with Hyatt are so flashy, but Tillman is so physical. And I mean, there's the obviously the play, the Ringo interception was just exceptional coverage by Ringo. Mm-hmm. But there were a lot of instances in this game where Tillman got the best of Ringo. And he actually drew a couple of pass interference penalties against him. Very, very physical player. And he was, he was you know, almost winning a matchup with a top corner from, you know, a a guy who's going to be playing corner in the NFL next year. I mean, he was winning those matchups consistently enough where I was like, yeah, I really liked this performance, even though it wasn't a gaudy stat line. Whereas Hyatt, I mean, he did tweak his ankle early in the game, but at the same time, it was a lot of the things that we sort of were wondering about where it's like, is he exploiting zone coverage or is he something more than that? And I think in this game, you saw the limitations of his game when he isn't able to just take the top off over and over. Yeah, it's kind of the same point that I had with Hooker where it's like, if you are scheme dependent, if you are just kind of reading the script and i mean you got to do what it takes to cash in on that but what are you going to be at the next level like can you be trusted to get picked 18th by the giants and be their wide receiver one next year like uh, that that's where my questions start to come up i will say this they the number finally came out with jalen hyatt the supposed number is four three one Mm. that's his supposed number so yeah i mean he's he's gonna get drafted high in the nfl i mean i don't i don't i I won't call him a first round pick because i personally don't see him that way but he's gonna go high with 431 speed so yeah i don't i don't i don't see him as a first round pick either i just worry that somebody does yeah because all it takes Uh, is one guy in the nfl to think he is and, and then he is Right. And these, like we said at the top, I mean, there's some of these, you know, the big boards, mock drafts, they're all starting to come out now. And if you're, if you're tapped into that, you've been seeing the name Jalen Hyatt in pretty high positions versus what we thought this player was going into the year, which was not much. Didn't even know the name because he hadn't done anything till this year. So uh, Georgia defense has some names, some IDP uh, options, but we might talk about one of those later. Oh, we absolutely will talk about one of those later. <laughs> In that case, let's move on from that game. Let's hope Tennessee can move on. Man, the playoff, it, it's getting shaky like every week now where it's like Tennessee, it seemed like they really grabbed the bull by the horns and now they might not even be in the playoffs. I don't, I don't know how you can lose to the best team in the country and all of a sudden just like, ah, yeah, you guys suck. I don't, I don't know, man. Don't it's know. it's like, it's like, well, we already saw the game with them in Georgia. So why would we need to see it again? And it's like, well, I mean, they beat whatever, whatever, yeah. uh, quarterbacks, not something that we've talked about a ton, obviously, but it pays to check in once in a while. We're talking about Hendon Hooker. Now might be a good time to just check in on this quarterback group. Uh, you know, guys, the guys at the top, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, and how about Anthony Richardson? That little collection this week, very different performances, each one of them. And not in the ways that you might 
expect based on what has been happening this season. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying I understand that CJ Stroud played in a hurricane. <laughs> so let's not, you know, let's not look at the stat line and be like, what the hell's going on? But just checking in. Uh, any any notes on the quarterback class since we've really last talked about him? I saw somewhere. Oh man, I wish I could credit who I saw this from, but somebody said there's no first rounders on this Alabama offense outside of Bryce Young. And I mean, not not a super hot take because uh, I mean, running backs in the NFL, Jameer Gibbs, that's a guy that we've talked about a lot this year. If he doesn't go first round. They don't have a receiver that's probably going to go first round. We haven't had one that's flashed that's shown us what. Uh, and then, I mean, the the offensive line is kind of a different story. But in the skill position area, I'd agree. I mean, Bryce Young is elevating a team. I, I think he's been playing well. I They played LSU here. He um, didn't play great. Uh, he had went 25 for 51 throwing the ball a lot. Gibbs was having a nice game, but they just weren't giving him the ball very much, which I didn't really understand. I think at one point he had like four carries for 50 yards or something like that, and it's just like, why are we not feeding this guy the rock? But Nick Saban, I, he knows ball more than I do. So, But, yeah, Bryce Young, uh, he he's flirting with the, the QB1 spot, taking it from Shroud from me, but – I yeah I, I mean Bryce Young's been playing very well. That's what I was gonna ask. I mean we're a few weeks away here. I mean many weeks, months actually from getting really back into the quarterback class, breaking it down. What did we learn from 2022? Where are we sitting? I have a feeling there's gonna be a little bit of movement here, but Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud. It seems like generally. Young is starting to sort of garner the momentum here. And I mean, if from, you know, you talk about from fantasy perspective, Stroud doesn't really have a rushing upside to his game. Bryce Young does. It's obviously the size that factors in here, but you're talking about a two-way guy with, you know, elite passing traits. I don't know. I mean, I'm not ready to say one way or the other, but I think it's becoming more of a conversation than I expected it to be going into the season. Yeah, yeah, me too. And uh, I definitely – I think I had Bryce Young three in that preseason th uh, preseason ranking. But, yeah, he's definitely moved up to two, and he's, he's definitely flirting with one. R.I.P. Will Levis. I don't want to talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I – I'm getting forced into hating Will Levis, and I I'm okay with it honestly. But it's I, man, not a whole lot to like. Anyway. Every year, it's just the same damn story with these guys. Where it's six four, big arm, white guy has high character and great work ethic. Is Let's make Josh him QB one. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Is that Sam Darnold? Anyway, um, Anthony Richardson though. So. I'm on record not that long ago of saying I don't think he should come out. I don't think he should go into the draft. I'm not even going to back that take up quite yet, but I will say that this game for Anthony Richardson was maybe his best performance of the season from a tape perspective. I mean, he had some unbelievable throws in this game that we haven't really been seeing much of all year. Do you read into that at all? I do I do read into that because I mean Richardson what has always impressed me is his pocket management. That that is something that is very high level for a player that's really playing quarterback full time for the first time. It dancing around the pocket, moving and keeping your eyes downfield is a trait that is you got to have a a you know, sixth sense to have that kind of pocket awareness and some of the guys just don't have that so Richardson seems like he has that and I've been waiting for the kind of touch that you want to see out of a professional quarterback and in this game he had two throws that were 
oh me oh my that is impressive he had one on that left side where he dropped it in a bucket on that corner route and that that one particularly was the one that was like man anthony richardson he might be putting some stuff together i like i i want him to stay one more year but if he's projected as a first rounder and you don't want to risk injury because i mean he does play a physical game he runs a lot he had what 92 rushing yards in this game uh he has 535 on the season. This this is the dual threat quarterback of the class if he's coming out. Yeah. I man, I I just I, we're getting so late into the season now where it's like it feels like he's getting a he's probably going to get enough momentum in a quarterback class that's honestly like weaker I don't, than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I don't love it. I don't love it. I mean, after after Shroud and and Bryce, I some of the guys that I had a little bit of excitement about, like they've really not done what I hoped they would this year. And Anthony Richardson is one of those players, but at the same time, he is still showing you those flashes that you wanted to see, but you just want to see a little bit more of. I will say this, in the last 3 games, I mean, He's got four four touchdowns and no picks. I mean, he had a huge turnover problem over in the year or earlier in the year. That's been cleaned up a, a, a bit over the last three weeks here. Uh, and he, you know, like I said, this might have been his best pure passing performance of the season. I mean, you got the 453 uh, yards against Tennessee this year, but I think there were some throws in this game that maybe start to. F- change the conversation a little bit around this guy, especially if the last four weeks go the same way. Yeah, definitely. And the, the first throw, I, I, man, I, I don't know if I talked about it, but the way he, he drops back and then he steps up to avoid two rushers and he's kind of fading left into the pocket and there's kind of a rusher there and he's off platform, kind of fading away, and throws this sidearm, but it's a missile. It comes out as a missile and hits the guy in the chest. And like, man, I, I don't know. There, there's, there's moments where it's like this could be the best quarterback in the class, and that that is why that's why I, I maintain that I want him to come out in the 2024 class and fight for the QB one spot with Caleb Williams and Drake May instead of, you know, just being the other quarterback in this class. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder what's going to happen. I mean, Malik Willis, I, that might, if anything, that might be a lesson. I, I don't, I mean, like I would have thought Malik Willis would have been higher than a third round draft pick. And you kind of see similar situations here where the flashes are exceptional the product is not at all NFL ready. And Malik Willis falls to the third round. So does that does that encourage Richardson to come back? I mean, I'm not saying he's gonna be a third rounder if he comes no, out. No, I'm just saying like I just I feel like Richardson's arm talent is so much different than Willis's. Because Willis and then Willis was in that RPO heavy scheme at Liberty. I don't know. I I feel like it's a, it's not super equivalent, but I I understand in terms of like a raw athlete that's not refined as a quarterback in in the pocket and throwing the football. Yeah, I think the I think Willis's bridge to the league was much longer than Anthony Richardson's is, which is why I still think if he were to come out in this class, you'd most likely still see him get drafted in the first round. It's just you want him you want to give this guy the best opportunities to succeed. And so I don't also know. We'll, we we talked about how quarterbacks get broken by this Georgia defense. And Richardson had much better passing stats against Georgia than Hooker did. And Hooker is seen as this, like, much higher level thrower than Richardson. And so, I, I mean, there, there's this – when we talk about Hooker, we talk about him one way. and we talk about Anthony Richardson, we talk about him another way. I, I just want to put out there, I think Anthony Richardson is levels above Hooker in terms of a pure prospect. And 
I just wanted to throw that out there just as, cause we didn't talk about him against Georgia and that, that is kind of why we wanted to change the framing of the, ep- of, of like the show, because that should have been a topic that should have been something we talked about, but he didn't earn a badge. So we didn't really, couldn't fit him in. So uh, anyway, rambling now, but just wanted to bring that up. I'm excited to watch in the off season. When we get to the quarterback show, it's all going to come out. Cause that'll be that Georgia table beyond all these other games will be on. And I'll have a real good idea of what I think about this player. But until that point, uh, let's move on to a player that we have covered extensively on this show. But by God, we're going to cover him again because Josh Downs had a career day, which for Josh Downs is saying something. This is a player that has filled up the stat sheet now for one and a half years, almost two years. And he set a career best in receptions in this game with 15, 15 catches for 166 yards and a touchdown. And nobody else on the Tar Heels offense had more than three catches. It was the Josh Towns show this week. Yeah, this is this is a player that I am excited <laughs> to see. I mean, he is climbing up my board, my wide receiver board, so fast. Every single game, I'm so impressed with everything he does, the run after the catch, the, the talent at the catch point. I mean – we have like gushed about him week after week, and just another time where he goes nuts every time he touches the ball. I mean, the touchdown he had, he ran a slot fade against man and just cooked their slot DB, and the guy had no chance, but Drake May had to give the guy a chance to make a play on the ball, underthrew Downs a little bit, so Downs had to go up and make a test of catch and still brought it down. Yeah, that that throw right or that play right there is like the epitome of it where we've seen this now a few times where I mean he he cooks people and then he still gets put in these situations where he's making a contested play on the ball and he finishes it. So he's just incredible, man. He's incredible. I mean, I he's so fun. He's so fun. And honestly, if he wasn't like I think the size is the only if you want to call it a limiting factor, that is the only limiting factor to his game. Because if he was a bigger player, I think more eyes would be on him right now. I think the conversation around this player would be a little bit more loud than it is right now. See, size isn't a limiting factor with him, though. It, it it's a I under I I feel yeah, it. No. I, yeah, yeah. I get yeah I I think the the way people see five ten one seventy five. And think about him a different way, but just the way he plays, size does not limit the way he plays. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And honestly, like he's not a small guy either. Like he's five ten, but he's stocky. Like yeah, he's I not. Know, I don't know if one seventy five is still accurate. He looks about one ninety, maybe. He's he's a little bit thicker than that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think one seventy five is is right. Like he's got a thick lower body, and I mean it's. That's the thing. Like you talk about size concerns. I mean, it's something that you're going to talk about with Addison, but like, I mean, Addison is skinnier. Like he does yeah. look one seventy five. And he strays away from contact. Right. So I mean, that's kind of the thing where it's like you see five ten, and it's like, well, he's smaller guy. He's a slot player. He's he's limited to the slot, but it's like what he can do in the slot is so impressive. And he's not just that, you know, we we said this, we, we probably said it multiple times. Like, he's not just that little slot jitterbug player. Like, he is a guy that can win down the field. And so, yeah, I, I think he's a slam dunk top five. I'll just say top five for now, receiver in the class. I think that's pretty safe to say. Yeah, and he, you say he wins downfield. I mean, he wins at all three levels. Yeah. He, in this game, you saw him win at all three levels. I mean, catching screens, catching slot fades, catching digs, catching slants. I mean, it's the, basically doing everything. And uh, I, I hate to – I'm not going to compare Josh Downs to Tyreek Hill. That's not what I'm going <laughs> to do. All right? I, I, I compared him to Debo, I think, last time. 
but I wasn't actually comparing him to Debo. But, you know, you bring up the name, and they're like, oh, so Tyreek Hill. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) Josh Downs, it reminds me of Tyreek Hill on the Dolphins, the way Tyreek Hill will, like, cook a guy and beat him deep and have, like, eight yards of separation, then he'll get underthrown and have to come back for the ball and win a contested catch. That's, That's what it reminds me of. We have come full circle with these comps now where the Tyreek Hill and the Debo Samuel have now merged together into the Tyreek Samuel comp for Josh Downs. He is the epitome of a prospect. (laughs) Yeah, he's the best player that's ever existed, honestly. So, I mean, take with that what you will. How about another guy? that we're pretty intimately familiar with at this point in the process, but he, he just keeps getting better, man. He just keeps getting better. I mean, Bijan Robinson is incredible. Like it cannot be understated. Like he is as advertised. This is as much of a slam dunk. Number one pick in dynasty as you can find. Like this is no doubt lock it in, write the card right now and sit here and wait till next summer and turn it in like do it i we this is my favorite player to watch in maybe all of football uh but obviously in college football this is he just makes plays that shouldn't be made i mean i think the yards over expectation uh stat was made for Bijan because you look and it's like, oh, yeah, he should get five yards here. And then he kind of side hurdles somebody and then goes 40 yards to the house. And this this was against uh, – I don't know if we uh, brought up the stats, just the raw stats, 30 carries, 209 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, this was against Kansas State, who's been a solid defense, and their defense carries them to a lot of their wins, which had them ranked at 24. And, I mean, yeah. Bijan just kind of tore him apart and won Texas this game almost single-handedly. Yeah, no, I mean, they this Texas won this game against a 13th-ranked opponent because of Bijan Robinson. Undoubtedly. I mean, he was unbelievable. And and it's it's those runs like what you said. Every play, it he's obviously got the home runs in there but it's just the plays where he is getting something on every play like he is getting something when it looks like there is nothing there because he just has supreme talent as a running back I mean that's the hallmark quality right there when you find a running back that can consistently get positive yardage in situations where an average player would not get those yards that tells you that this is a great player. And Bijan does that better than anybody else right now. And the way that Texas gets him the ball in the open field to just let him work is something I wish more offenses would do for their kind of their star players, but especially their running backs. I mean, they had him on that screen pass that he took for, I don't know, 25 yards. But, yeah, the he has been doing more north-south running this season which is something we talked about uh before the season that we were worried that he kind of hunts for the home run a little too much that he'll sit behind the line and maybe hop step back there and wait for some to open up so then he can go it seems like he's a lot more decisive this year and he is just going and that lends itself to be a lot more four or five yard carries but i mean if you can get your team to second and five consistently that's one of the best qualities you can have as a running back. And then then you hit the home runs every once in a while, and you start to put up some stupid stat lines like this. Yeah. I Man, he's he's so good. He's, he's, he's so, so good. good. I wish I had the 101 somewhere. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, uh, he did get caught from behind in this game, so maybe he sucks. No, not fast enough. No, that doesn't have the tools. Nope. He, he took it only 70 yards. He didn't yeah. take it all 80. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What a, what a fucking legend, Bijan yeah. Robinson. I still got to get my Bijan Mustard Sin. I haven't tried that yet, and I, I will. Believe me. 
I might get some specifically for draft night. If yeah, I'll pitch in to get that done. <laughs> we got to got to get the GoFundMe just to order the <laughs> the fucking mustard. <laughs> it's fifteen dollars a bottle. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh wait. Oh, they Bichon, got a flash oh, sale. Did you have you have you checked the Bijan Mustardson site in a while? No. <laughs> Bijan's week ten game bottle. Complete with his game stats, the date, and an autograph from Bijan himself. Oh, you seventy-five dollars, seventy-five no, bucks, seventy-five bucks for uh, one of one Bijan Mustardson signed by Bijan. It's sold out. Bijan's delicious <laughs> mustard is temporarily on back order, dude. The people fucking love the Bijan Mustardson. People Mustardson's love. In. I we couldn't can, even try it if on. I wanted to. It's sold out. He. Oh, he has a game bottle for every week. He has a, every week he he signs a game bottle with his stats, and they they sell them for seventy five dollars a piece, and they sell out instantly. I can get a Mustardson shirt for the for the price of two bottles of mustard. Maybe <laughs> that's the play. I'll I'll get a Bijan shirt. I'll do the Bijan Mustardson shirt. <laughs> I, I know what I'm doing after this. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, so Bijan, he's still good. Remember that. Um, badges, they're still around. We still got them. It's just that they're more special now. The badge board was very full. The campers were like, why? I don't I don't care. There's, I'm up there with 98 other people. Well, guess what? <laughs> It's about to get real now because we're handing out one offensive badge apiece and one defensive badge apiece. That's it. So this week I am giving the Mr. P.I. badge to A.T. Perry. Wake Forest, wide receiver. We've talked about him before. Not a ton, but... He, when he is on, man, he is electric and he's, I mean, he's a six, four player. He's not like, I'm not going to call him like huge. Like he's not like six, four, like Quentin Johnston is where he's thick and like goes up and grabs it. Like he's a shifty six, four kind of guy, but he wins downfield quite a bit. And the reason I'm giving him the Mr. PI is because North Carolina state was having a hell of a time down the field dealing with this guy he's just too big and too fast and he's drawn pis all game long they just couldn't contain him anytime he's running down the field it was either well we got to grab the jersey or we're going to risk giving up a 50-yard bomb to at perry and he had even with all that even with all the calls on him he still had a monster performance in this game so man the wide receiver group it's not spectacular but there are guys later in this class that are really really talented and at perry is one of them he is just a massive person and i don't like i don't know if nc state's uh the dbs are just like smaller (laughs) than average or he's just that big but i i on the screen pass that he caught kind of earlier in the game and he just kind of like caught it and stiff armed the guy, and then went another like twelve yards. He just kind of like he's like like his little brother was kind of annoying him, and he just kind of like put him into the dirt, and then took it to, for the first down. It's like man, that's not right. That's a this is a guy that looks too big, and I, I think I've likened him to like an older brother or an older cousin or whatever. Every time I talk <laughs> about him, but that's just how he plays. He's just like bigger than everybody and it, he it also can like get open which is impressive because these big guys it's usually like oh well are they gonna transition to tight end once they get in the league because they can't run routes because they're not fast enough to play receiver but it, it seems like perry can run a mirrored routes and he, he got open on a few digs in this one i mean they talked about the screen pass and then there's just the fly after fly where you got to sit there and stress about if if he's going to make you look like his little brother or not. 
that's the thing that really like intrigues me about him is like he's not he's six four six five and he's not like necessarily a contested catch guy like a lot of times with these right. guys it's like you're sacrificing a bit of speed and agility for a guy that can dominate at the catch point. He's not necessarily that player. It's not to say that he can't win in those situations, but that's not what he does best. What he does best is what you just said, where he is a really nice route runner. Like he is this huge guy out there that's running some really, really crisp routes and getting himself open down the field. And that oh, that right there is like really impressive to me when I see that. And he he's taken a little bit of a step back this year from a statistic standpoint. Like it hasn't. I think there may have been an expectation that he was going to come out in this year and like really seize hold of like one of these top wide receiver spots, given his uh, nearly thirteen hundred yard, fifteen touchdown year he had as junior. He hasn't quite replicated it, but it's still there. It's all of his talent and the tools are still there. It's a little bit hit or miss this year, a little bit inconsistent, but when he's on, I mean, this was his best game of the season and he looked phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. It it was a a clinic against that NC State secondary. Well, how about another wide receiver? in this class that maybe he's flying a little bit under the radar given a little bit of love to the wide receivers every once in a while i i love don't it. know if if we've talked about this player before and i guess that's kind of the problem with uh i don't know if we've given him a badge I, he's had a good season i don't think but we have. yeah uh xavier hutchinson uh out of iowa state he's a wide receiver he 6'3, 205 if you got to familiarize yourself with him but he's had a, a good season. He's been over 70 yards every single game, uh, over 80 in all but one, and had 100-plus yards in five games, had 123 here with 10 catches and a touchdown. But he he just looks like a smooth operator out of the X position on the offense. Uh, I, I mean, we're lacking – wide receivers in this class we're looking for someone that can be a uh a guy in an offense the number one receiver in an offense where that's that's why we're hammering home about downs where it's like this is not just a slot receiver that's going to come and fit a gadget role in an offense it's like this guy can play he can be the number one receiver xavier hutchinson i believe can be a number one with some refinement i mean there's uh some miscommunications that he has with the quarterback which i don't know if it's on him or on the quarterback there's some uh, gotta clean the routes up every once in a while it's not perfect but when it's all going well it turns into a game like this against west virginia where he's open a lot he's catching everything and it, it looks pretty easy for him man that's the thing like i th- i'm really starting to think that this wide receiver group like might be pretty decent. Like it doesn't have supreme top end talent. I don't think, I mean, you might, you know, you got those one, two, maybe three guys at the top that you can say are like really bona fide, you know, first round prospects after that, it drops off and it kind of makes you wonder like, well, you know, maybe this is a down year, but I think the second round for dynasty is going to be ripe with some really, really talented wide receivers. And and Xavier Hutchinson is one of those players. I mean, this is a, it's kind of a shame that we haven't talked about him yet. I haven't really watched much of him, but I watched him this week, and I watched some of his previous games. He's really good. Like, he's yeah. really good. He is. I mean, he's, like you said, he fits that mold of the outside receiver, 6'3", 205, and he is a lot better than I was expecting him to be uh, just from watching him. So you're talking about a guy here who is in his junior season. He had 990 yards, no, almost a thousand yards as a sophomore on Iowa state. And now he's set to surpass that next week. Probably. I mean, he's at 953 right now. I mean, he is full breakout mode right now with this guy. And I'm assuming he's going to declare. I'm just going to predict that. 
He's going to be an early declare with some huge numbers behind him and a really, really strong uh, profile, portfolio of film. So I think this might be one of the, we talk about hidden gems quite a bit. Like, who's the hidden gem? I think this guy is really, really something to keep an eye on moving forward. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, he's already has more receptions on this season than he did all of last year. And like you said, he's going to eclipse 1,000 yards probably next game if he's on doing what he's been doing the whole season. So it's a, a definitely a player to keep your eye on. You know, one of the 1,000 that we told you to keep your eye on. But it, it seems like he is he's a very smooth player, like I said before, and it, playing the position seems pretty easy for him. Isn't it fun that we'll be able to watch day three of the draft this year and know every single wide receiver that's picked? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. He's probably got a badge. And then I'll be <laughs> screaming when it's like, Trey Palmer's a fifth-round pick, and I'm like, what the hell, man? Uh, <laughs> the anti-Nebraska bias is too much. That's unbelievable. Come on. Give, give uh, Trey some love. All right, IDPs. I, I'm i going with a double dip. I'm going back-to-back badges for Tommy Eichenberg because you brought up the name last week. I was, you know, it was kind of a new name. Like, haven't really heard the name much. Liked what I saw last week. And he's getting the hurricane badge for me because they're playing in a hurricane, like I said, the Midwest 70-mile-per-hour winds that w- happened this weekend. And he was he was like a hurricane out there. He was all over the place. He's making tackles all over the place again. And, yeah, he, he fits that exact profile of a guy who can rack up the stats, rack up the tackles from the linebacker position. And I really like him. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I'll talk about it once. I'll talk about it again. Uh, you look for a guy that has good instincts, that can make a decision and go. And I talked about it last week where Eichenberg trusts his eyes, trusts his reads, and, I mean, finds the holes and makes the tackles. And he sniffed out, I think, two, three screens in this game where it could have been a huge gain, but he found it right away and then beat the blocker to the spot and held it to a short game. And, I mean, Eichenberg has been piling up those Buckeye stickers on his helmet because of all the plays he's been making this year. I just wonder, like, you think he, he's a pretty good athlete from what you mm-hmm. see on yeah. film. Like, that's, I think, one of the things where it's like as long as he's, as long as he's testing well because he's got those instincts – it's just got to, the athleticism needs to line up, and I think it will. I think it will. He he's, I mean, he's not the big white linebacker that you might think of. He's not like Blake Martinez, where he's just like eating up tackles because he's there, and you know he's in the right place, right time. He he can chase a guy down. He can, I, I mean, make a few plays, and it, he did that this week, and. Did it last week, and he's been doing it all season for this Ohio State defense, which has been really a, I mean, a lot better than I think people expected because there weren't a whole lot of names to look at before this season on that defense. But Eichenberg and the crew have been uh, doing what they need to do. I mean, and he's been looking great. We tease this one. Yeah, but we haven't we haven't talked about him yet because I didn't know if we needed to. So but give it to me. I one of the best players in this class that we have not talked about is Jalen Carter. He's getting the disruptor badge. Oh, uh, Xavier Hutchinson smooth operator badge. I didn't name okay. the badge. Sorry about Thank that. Thank you. Yep. Uh, but Jalen Carter getting the disruptor badge. I mean. You generally don't want an interior D-tackle. That's something you tend to stay away from in an IDP league because you have two, usually, DL spots. You want edge rushers or linebackers with DL eligibility. But every once in a while, 
you get a freak athlete at the nose position that can just disrupt an entire game and get you tackles and sacks. I'm looking at Christian Wilkins. I'm looking at Deron Payne. I'm looking at Jeffrey Simmons. I'm looking at Aaron Donald. These guys that can win on the inside and make a quarterback's life hell because they can't step up in the pocket, and if you have support from the edges, you can't go anywhere. So Jalen Carter made Hendon Hooker's life hell. He had a strip sack in the end zone that should have been a safety. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, and, I mean, he, he's he been a freak all year. He's going to be probably a top five, top ten NFL draft pick. And someone to keep your eye on in the IDP community. He's probably not going to be a super high, uh, highly touted IDP fantasy prospect. But if he gets in a system that utilizes him as a rusher on third downs, he can make a quarterback's life a lot harder than they want it to be. That's the thing is like these interior players normally aren't really relevant. They're not really relevant, but when they have elite pass rushing skills, they are. Like that, if you're if you get sacks, you're getting sacks, no matter where they're coming from. And Aaron Donald, which obviously is one of one, but he's the kind of guy where, from a D tackle profile, you're kind of like, oh, I don't, you know, he's probably not really fantasy relevant. But then he is because he leads the league in sacks as a defensive tackle. And Jalen Carter has that elite pass rushing upside from the interior that yeah he needs to be on the radar like i this game was an absolute takeover like you said against tennessee he's going to be a, a, most likely going to be a top 5 pick i mean it's every now and then these interior guys fall a couple spots but he's going to be up there as one of the best players in the draft and if he's in a system that allows him to have that free reign as a rusher and they're going to utilize his skill set like that then he's right up there uh, you know, he's he's right up there with any of these edge guys in terms of potential production. Yep, 100%. A few other names, I mean, Vita Vea, Javon Hargrave, they're both top 20 in the NFL in sacks. Jeffrey Simmons I mentioned. Uh, there's, there's a lot of guys that you don't expect to see the fantasy production come from because they're those big 300-pound. But the, the great thing about them is – if you can win on pass rush downs, you're probably already a run stuff guy being that big and playing that position because you can't be bad at run defense and play nose tackle, basically. You can't play like three tech inside and be bad at run defense. So you're going to get a few tackles one way or another, and then if you can add a, a sack or a sack and a half or a sack or two into the mix there, you're looking at some some good fantasy production. Whoa, there it is. Week 10. That's everything we have on the slate. That, that, how, was, how? that, that felt a lot better, I think. I, I, I feel like we're not spending so much time just reading off stats and telling you that a player played well. Felt great. Yeah. I feel energized. I feel ready to. I'm, uh, I'm ready to go out to the woods, grab some, some firewood. I hope you are, man. I hope you are because we are going to now go and sit around the campfire. So week nine in the NFL had some interesting performances. From some interesting players. I'm going to name one from each major position group. And I want you to tell me what all three of these players have in common. To, to varying levels. Tua, Tagovailoa, Travis Etienne, and Terrace Marshall. What's the common thread there? They were all a waste of your draft pick. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it just... 
So what I want to talk about this week is the uh, this idea of patience, which I know is is this mystical, evasive quality amongst Dynasty players, but I think you're seeing it, and I mean, you see this every year. I feel like we shouldn't have to remind ourselves every year that you should be patient, because every year we are reminded about, oh yeah, that guy who I thought sucked is now amazing. Well, it's happening again, and it's happening with Tua, a quarterback that was ridiculed repeatedly over and over and over again. It's happening with Travis Etienne, who suffered a serious injury, as missed his entire rookie season, causing a lot of people to sell potentially low on him. And I'm going to say maybe prematurely, but I'm going to do it anyway, that we got an 87-yard performance and then a 50-yard and a touchdown performance from Terrace Marshall, who was deader than any of the players that I just said. And so he's that, to me, is back for Terrace Marshall. So, I mean, what do you make of of this whole thing? I mean, what what is the lesson? Is there a lesson? I mean, is are we just destined to do this forever as Dynasty players, or do you think we'll ever learn? I want to talk about return on investment because I think that's what plays a key role in, you know, buying and selling. It's this market of players and it's like Travis Etienne in college was one of the best players in college football. And then he comes out and he, I mean, it depends how much you like them. But, I mean, he was ranging between ADP 1 and ADP, like, 5. But he's a top 5 draft pick in his draft. And then he injures his foot, and James Robinson is obviously was doing his thing. But we know how the league treats a first-round pick versus how they treat undrafted players. It There's almost no contest. It, the first-round pick's always going to win. So... If you were selling on ETN because he was hurt or because of James Robinson, you got to kind of look at what's going on there. You got to look at the bigger picture because it's not just like ETN was hurt. It was ETN had a Jones fracture as a rookie, which is different from an Achilles tear, which is way harder to come back from. It's not like the Cam Akers injury. And Cam Akers is another different cautionary tale. But then you move on to, like, Tua, and it's like Tua benefits from the the scheme that was brought in by Mike McDaniel, which is uh, the Shanahan scheme. And uh, we've seen average quarterback after average quarterback succeed in that scheme. And Tua looks a lot better than average. So it's... And then you add in the factor of drafting Waddle and then trading for Tyreek Hill, who are two of the fastest players in football, if not the two fastest players in football. And you're going to see fancy production come. So, and then Terrace Marshall, he, I mean, when this is where it comes down to return on investment, you probably spent a second round pick on him, maybe a third, but probably a second. This was a player Maybe that a first you could have. Yeah, you could have. And like, if you're sitting here and it's like, get out while you can, you know, sell while you can get a third while you can at that point, just hold him on your roster. He's 22 years old. Like he's younger than some of the rookies that are going to be get, coming out and he's got a full season under his belt. He's got almost, I mean, he's on the Panthers, man. Like, who do you talk about the, the bad situations in the league? Uh, they're trotting out former XFL star PJ Walker and Baker Mayfield and, and Sam Darnold. Like, what worse situation could you be in to grow? And then, I mean, they trade away Robbie Anderson finally getting those reps that he probably could have been getting before. And he's put together two straight pretty good games i mean 87 yards on nine targets 53 yards on six targets and a touchdown i mean start to put it put it together a little bit where 
you could see your return on investment actually growing a little bit. Man, I hear you. And I think there's two sides of it. There's the one side which you covered, which is the return. Am I getting a reasonable return for what I invested based on what we know about a player? The second is expectations. Because, like you said, most people took Terrace Marshall in the second round, myself included. What did you expect was going to happen with that? Like, obviously you don't expect healthy scratches, but why would you duck out of that in one year when it's like this was not a guy that was picked top four like we're not expecting you know 800 yards and six touchdowns as a rookie you know like this is one you're on the panthers you're the number three option they don't have a quarterback they have the, one of the worst coaches in the league i mean what did you expect i mean just I think there's there's this this wild idea right now that I, I'm just really struggling with that every player needs to be the best at their position in eight weeks or they're screwed. I mean, I'm seeing things like, should we be worried about Drake London? Um, and it's like, what? I mean, why did you... Why did you draft the player? You know, if you drafted the player because you loved his tape, you loved him as a prospect, then you shouldn't be worried at all right now. We've seen everything we've needed to out of Drake London. The only thing that's missing is, oh, yeah, they have Marcus Mariota as quarterback, and they're the lowest volume passing offense in the league. I mean, if you're looking for if you're looking for 1,400-yard Drake London, you were never getting that in the first place. So it's just it's just, it's a weird thing man the expectations thing is so strange and i think it's just it's worth revisiting this every time it happens just to remind yourself that it takes time for these guys i pulled some names i pulled some names drake london is 10 games nine games into his nfl career guys that didn't perform well in their first nine or ten games in the league guys like Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, DJ Moore, Devontae Adams. These are all players that you, if you panic sold them after the rookie year, how'd that turn out? You know? So it's like, why are why do we why do we do this? I, I I feel like it's the Justin Jefferson effect, where it's like if you're not Justin Jefferson as a rookie, suddenly it's like, well, what did I what do I have here? Yeah, and the thing is Terrace Marshall was likely a second round pick. Like you said, this was not a guy that's supposed to like turn your team around and you're, you're taking him as a probably like a project kind of receiver. Like, I don't know if Terrace Marshall is a project receiver, but like that's the idea that you should have had, like having him on your roster is this guy's not going to start for me for a while. And I want to go back to Tua because I, I didn't like how Tua was being talked about. Tua dislocates his hip, which by all accounts is a gruesome, horrible injury that can ruin your career. Comes back and is bad. And he was bad in a weird, weird situation with those two offense coordinators. And then there's the whole Brian Flores thing. And there's the Deshaun Watson thing. And he gets the star wide receiver this this happened to a few guys that people said were dead where you get the the star wide receiver in the building and all of a sudden you look like a superstar this just happened with Jalen Hurts look at Jalen Hurts people thought Jalen Hurts wouldn't have a job next year they thought that the the Eagles should be drafting a quarterback in the 2023 draft and now look at him. I mean, A.J. Brown comes in the building, and he completely turns into a different player. And then Tua, Tyreek Hill comes into the building, and him and Waddle are both top five in receiving yards, and Tua's looking the best he's ever looked and has won every game that he started and finished. So pump the brakes. Let NFL teams work through what they're working through if they're at a bad point that's probably why you can get the player where you can get them if they're talented and let things happen again patience 
Eagles might have a top five pick this year, and they're not yeah, going to be taking a quarterback, <laughs> I don't think. So that's fun. Jalen Hurts is Jalen Hurts is the guy over uh, one of these quarterbacks, maybe. It's true. Yeah, they're they're so. going to be holding on to Jalen Hurts. I can't see why they'd want to change a whole lot that's going on there. No. So yeah, I I mean that's just it's it's one of these things, man. It just it's gonna pop up every year. We are probably gonna have the same conversation next year. Like, why is should I sell uh, Devon A Chain? He's not really doing well as yeah. the ooh, I, the Ravens running back. I, it's so weird. Um, but you can sell Devon A Chain. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> wow okay uh guy had a great week again this week but go off <laughs> i'm just kidding i just you know i have my anti-a&m bias for some reason everybody every every year every class you got guys that you just don't vibe with and a chain is that guy for me he's that guy i don't know who my guy is this year outside of levis i hate levis then it's levis They're, yeah, but I don't want to do a quarterback. That's weird. Like that doesn't feel right. There's got to be a guy, That's a the, wide receiver. Maybe it'll be it's, Hyatt. <laughs> it's, it's very sports media to just be like, I hate this quarterback because <laughs> I do. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Well, that was week ten, and had some fun this week. I'm gonna go check out my Bijan Mustardson merch right now. So. <laughs> Maybe show up next week with my mustards and shirt on. See what, what's up there. But uh, until we get to that point, leave a five-star review, whatever star review you deem worthy on whichever platform you choose to listen to Camp Dynasty. We appreciate you listening. Um, and, yeah, uh, follow us on Twitter, at Camp underscore Dynasty. And I think that's it. I think thanks that's for joining us. Yeah, thanks. It, it means a lot. I've, 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 I, I, it, I've had several people now come and say, "Hey, digging what you're doing over there. It's cool." I'm like, "Well, all right, sick." I, I, some of them I don't even know warmer. if they <laughs> right. Makes it grow oh. three sizes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's almost Christmas. Um, all right. Thanks for stopping by Camp Dynasty this week, and have a great week.